Welcome back to the 5 and 5 Live, uh, the podcast that we originally thought was doomed but appears to still be going. Uh, sorry for the last sitting week, the previous sitting week, I ended up not well. Uh, I was only here on the first day and so we ended up not doing the podcast that week. Uh, but thank you for the tens of thousands of people who have complained about the missed episode uh, and we feel terribly loved. Uh, well, there you go. Anyway, my, my <laughs> guest today... Uh, is the Labor member for the seat of Bean in the ACT uh, and one of the government whips, Dave Smith. Welcome, Dave. Thanks, Tony. You know, I've been waiting for this for some time too. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, a contest from the caucus in terms of who gets to sit in that chair where you are now. This is a, a highly prized seat. Oh, and it should be. Most seats are highly prized in this place and this is one of the most highly prized of all. Okay, fantastic. Well, uh, we just had a pretty rugged week uh, in terms of a, there's always levels of ugliness during during a parliamentary week but I can't think of one that's been as, as you know, rough with some of the language as what's happened this week. So anyway, let's get into it. Let's start optimistically and we'll start with the best. Okay, Dave, what do you got? Well, firstly, firstly, Tony, uh, on Tuesday, the PM on coalition's trade agreements. Some great lines there. Oh, that's right, because they, they were interjecting about how, how good they were on, on trade agreements or something. It was David Littleproud, I think, called out, oh, we had heaps of agreements. And, 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 and Tony, a little like with press releases, pretty good on paper, not actually good on actually delivering tangible outcomes. And here's the PM's retort when, when that interjection came from David Littleproud. Well, you had good trade agreements. You just didn't have any trade. That was, that, that was a problem. That is a problem, Dave. A pretty significant problem. <laughs> We're fixing that, though, Tony. And uh, I try... I find it really hard to explain the concept in the chamber of the phenomenon known as Ted O'Brien. Um <laughs> But uh, Chris Bowen, so he's the shadow minister against Chris Bowen uh, for climate and energy. He's the bloke who did his tour of nuclear energy and nuclear disaster sites in Japan. Very tasteful. Yep. And he interjected on on Chris this time uh, because the moment, like he's one of those machines that, like, like, no, a sleeper agent. So you hear a sleeper agent that just waits there until they hear the key word and then suddenly they go off on a tangent uh, for whatever they've been trained to do. Ted O'Brien has clearly been trained that if at any moment he hears the voice of Chris Bowen, he will spontaneously combust. And, uh, and on Tuesday... Chris Bowen came straight back with this. We know the member for Fairfax is Order. a big fan of small modular nuclear reactors. Order. He does his little videos, time Order. to talk nuclear. The minister, They're the world's worst TED Talks, Mr Speaker, those videos. Minister. Now, it's been a really big week for Claire O'Neill uh, as Minister for Home Affairs for both her and for Andrew Giles. They've had a lot on their plate dealing with the really serious issues around the uh, decision that the High Court made last week and trying to make sure that we are keeping everybody safe. Uh, there was a, a speech in introducing the legislation. Andrew Giles introduced the lead this morning and then Claire O'Neill spoke to it. Uh, that speech from Claire was just phenomenal. It's When you introduce Ledge, because you've got to sort of keep very much to the script, 
uh, you you can't put as much rhetoric in or anything. But I think Claire, as a second speaker, was able to say everything that needed to be said with this. Now, I'd say Order. again to the Leader of the Opposition, you can pretend to be a tough guy all you like, but words don't make our country safer. Good laws do. OK, I reckon that's enough of the best. I reckon that's enough of the best, Dave. Can we move across to the worst? Worst. Where do we start on a week like this? There's there's so much. Trying to find an order of the worst here is is pretty difficult. But I think uh, one of the most important issues to not forget is is still um, uh, robo-debt. Yeah. In terms of a government decision that caused pain that truly wrecked and hurt the lives of an unbelievable number of people. I'm not sure the nation's ever seen anything like RoboDead. And, and this week, Bill Shorten delivered the response. And, and again, just summed up uh, in, in Bill, Bill's sort of terms about, you know, why this should never, ever happen again. The victims of RoboDead have noticed the truculent refusal, the deafening silence of a full-throated apology by the Leader of the Opposition. You cannot have justice for Australians, the promise that never again will it occur, when the potential alternative government doesn't own the problem. Now, the numbers reduced for Peter Dutton this week again. He's gone... His numbers, like, he said his job was to keep the party together. If that was his job... Uh, ain't doing too well. He's he's lost three members in eighteen months now. Um, so we we lost um, well we lost he lost Russell Broadbent this week. Uh, Andrew G left uh, I think earlier this year or late last year. Uh, and then of course uh, Alan Tudge uh, left. So they lost Alan Tudge. We lost we, we sorry they lost Alan Tudge. We gained Mary Doyle. Both sides ended Wouldn't up better off. That's <laughs> sort of a, both both sides are advantaged by that. Um, so significant there. Uh, but I I want to talk about Monday now. I know this is possibly the only <laughs> podcast in the nation which has listeners who have a genuine interest in House of Representatives standing orders, uh, and I'm, I'm deeply grateful for that because it it I feel I'm among my people. Now on Monday, Paul Fletcher managed something that I have never seen before. <laughs> so they were... Michaelia Cash had gone to extraordinary effort to get four private members' bills from the Senate across to the House. Now, the private members' bills were all photocopies of different parts of my legislation uh, for closing loopholes, and we, we, got that, we got the second reading vote of that through in the House this week. Um, but the reason they were photocopying bits wasn't because they wanted those bits through. It was because so Michaelia Cash de- desperately wanted to say, OK, we've done it all. Can we not do anything that deals with people being underpaid? Uh, but when those four different bills arrived, all that had to happen was someone in the House had to move that the bill be made an order of the day and have that carried and then they would appear on the notice paper and every day, every moment they wanted the opposition could try to bring the bills on. And I just presumed that would be what happened. In fact, to the extent to which on the first bill, I moved it. I just moved, stood up and moved that it be made in order of the day. Now, were you, were you in the chamber when this happened, Freddie, this, or did you, did you, miss, you missed my grandest moment? No, 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 no. Look, <laughs> look, I was. And for someone who was briefly in the Senate, there was, there was a particular perverse bemusement for me in, in, that in procedurally, what we, we could be worse than them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, 
And so I moved it. All that had to happen was it came to a vote. And Paul Fletcher decided to filibuster the debate. So he's there with all these different people coming in, giving speeches, giving speeches. And I thought, surely not. Surely not. And we got all the way to 1.30 where we moved to the next business and so the motion disappeared. So the first bill doesn't go on the notice paper. Three more to go. I thought, okay, well, we've done – he didn't like me moving it. I'll pause and I'll just let him move the next one. We get to the second bill. Pause. (laughs) Fletcher thinks, ah, he's up to something. I'm not going to do a thing. So the second bill, no one moves it. It doesn't go on the notice paper. Third bill, Paul Fletcher – and the Speaker actually says to him, you just have to move that the bill be made in order of the day – and having been told that, Fletcher thinks, oh, no. Something's still up, t- no, still up Tony. Not go- they're not going to fool me. So he moves a suspension of standing orders, which obviously doesn't get carried. Um, and then we move to the next. So Bill 3's gone. Having had three bills not going to go on the notice paper, he then, when the fourth one comes up, repeats the strategy in three, thinking, oh, well, if things go wrong the first time, the way to fix it the next time is to do the exact same thing you just did. You do the same thing, you get the same outcome. So the following day, after all of these bills had gone through the Senate, none of them are in the House anymore. None of them can be debated. Uh, and my key question is, who's going to tell Michaelia Cash? Because I, I would love to be nearby when she finds out about this one. Well, well, I think obviously someone who can't make their own way out of a wet paper bag will have to tell her. <laughs> uh, and so... Finally, I think we just should touch on what happened yesterday afternoon. I've seen more divisive speeches, I've seen more divisive moments, but I don't think I've seen one from a leader that was as bad as what Peter Dutton did yesterday. Tony, it's, it, there are moments when I sort, of, I sort of think, how many of us are, are here for the right reasons? And generally, if I'm talking to school kids, I'll, I'll say 80% are here for the right reasons, but... Uh, that, that speech made me rethink those numbers and uh, I, I alluded to it uh, in the House in 90-second statements today. It was interesting if you watch the faces of his own backbench as it was going on. I don't think too many of them were enjoying it either, I've got to say. It was like some of them were into it, but the level of division to take anti-Semitism, really serious issue, and to see it as some sort of political opportunity to weaponise, link it to a high court decision and then somehow link that as to whether Australia should be represented at APEC. Um, Well, you'd like to say it was just weird, but the way he did it, uh, it it was offensive and it's hard to view it through any lens other than bigotry. What I think we should do, rather than us describing it, because we had to make a procedural decision as to whether we would let Dutton give that speech or whether we'd delay the whole thing. And I spoke to the PM on the floor and we were chatting about it and uh, he, I said, and, and he agreed, I said, there's too much at stake on this one. We need to do it and you need to be the speaker. And I think the speech that the PM gave in reply, it, it was Anthony Albanese at his best uh, and let, let's just play a an excerpt, or not too quick an excerpt. I think this is an important one for people to hear. I make no apologies for standing up against anti-Semitism, and I will do it unequivocally, as I have 
as someone who led a campaign against the council in my own electorate, yeah, yeah. against the BDS campaign, yeah, yeah. More, I think two decades ago. I have a track record on this, and I'm proud of it. Yeah. But I also have a track record of standing Order. up for the rights and for justice of Palestinian people. Yeah. And I make no apologies for being a consistent supporter of a two-state solution. Yeah. And I make no apologies for trying to bring communities together, yeah. not divide them, because that's the role of political leaders. But at a time, at a time when there is, there is social division, leaders have a choice. They have a choice to either bring people together or divide them. Try to look for unity or look for opportunism. Order. And what we have seen Order. from this the bloke for here is consistent the for with Groom. his entire political career has been based upon division between the people. For Groom will cease ejecting. Now, Jewish Australians Order. are fearful at the Member moment. O'Connor. The sort of activity that is occurring is scaring them and I stand with them. No one, no one should threaten people because of their religion or their race in this country. Okay, so that gets us to the end of the week, Dave. Um, and you get to nominate a song of the week. Where, what, what have you brought for us? So, so, Tony, I think particularly given what went on uh, yesterday, the, the song that I have to nominate is, is High Hopes by Bruce Springsteen, uh, a, a song really, really where... The, the character is actually asking for hope and I think that's something that our constituents and Australians right across the country want their parliament to do, is give them hope. Oh, well, your song's more optimistic. I was going to be a bit... I, I, I'm a bit more um, low-road uh, on this one, I've got to say, uh, because I, I am still gobsmacked by what Paul Fletcher did yesterday with legislation that was meant to find its way to the notice paper in the House of Representatives where they'd done an extraordinary amount of work. I didn't agree with their strategy, but the Senators had put a lot into it and by the time it reached Paul Fletcher's hands, it was on a road to nowhere. So uh, it's talking heads for me this week. Hey, everybody, we've got uh, next week uh, with the Parliament not sitting and the week after that, that's the final week for the House of Representatives. So we'll be back with the 5 and 5 live then. Dave Smith, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Tony. Okay. And to uh, the gazillions of people who, are listen, who listen to this, uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks, heaps. See ya.